What's up, Gumbo listeners? Demetrius Malbro here with yet another Data Protection Gumbo episode. And this one is titled, The Correct Way to Architect Your Backup Solution. And to drop these knowledge ingredients, I have Vladimir Mandik on the show. And he is the former CTO of Dell EMC, Data Protection Software and Data Protection Cloud Boots, with over 20 years of experience in the enterprise backup industry. He also went through several technology transformation stages and enjoys finding solutions to new challenges. And today, Gumbo listeners, Vlad will be dropping valuable knowledge on some of the technology challenges with data protection that you may be overlooking. Also bringing some clarity while your heads are in the clouds and clearing up some of your cloud misconceptions, a little bit about the correct way to architect your backup solution, and so much more when we get back from thanking our sponsors. Gumbo listeners, this episode is brought to you in part by OS Nexus is an industry leader in software-defined storage, helping you maximize storage platforms like Ceph and OpenZFS. Choose the easy way to manage your storage and reduce costs with less effort. Go to osnexus.com slash try now and mention Data Protection Gumbo to get an expanded community edition license now. Welcome to the Gumbo, Vlad. How are you? Thank you, Demetrius. Thank you very much for that introduction. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. So let's go ahead and jump right into the questions for the Gumbo listeners. And the the first thing that I want to talk about is just overall in general, where do you think the data protection industry is headed? Okay. So it's so it's really a two-sided story. You have the existing backup vendors, the large backup vendors, which are uh, always innovating and always adding uh, new parts of the solution. Uh, but they are also limited uh, of with how much you can actually innovate at, this, um, at one point in time because you need to have backward compatibility and maintain solutions for the existing uh, data lakes or whatever you want to call them. And you have new vendors which are trying to break in with the specialized solutions uh, for new challenges in the data protection because the data is actually changing its location far more rapidly nowadays than ever before. Right. So it's so it's really a push and pull between the existing vendors versus uh, new newcomers to the to the arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, where is it all going? Um, some new vendors will survive, some won't. Yeah. Uh, the solutions that they are actually providing are a necessity. So the question is, the biggest question is how well are those solutions can or will be integrated into an overall data protection scheme that any enterprise needs? Because I don't see at the moment a, any single vendor providing an overall story uh, for um, for a large enterprise, it's a very much a fragmented case with uh, with large vendors providing like big establishments within the corporate IT, uh, plus then several islands um, with um, new applications, new challenges, new types of data protected a completely different way. I, I can definitely feel that there is a shift that's happening right now. And I think COVID-19 has just heightened that sense of change because this is something that no one was prepared for. I'm not sure how you can 
really be prepared for a pandemic. But I think it's fundamentally changed the way that we all live in the digital universe. And so companies now are, you know, creating lots of data and trying to store that data. And there's VDI. Uh, there's so many different components out there. So where do you think that within data protection and maybe looking out into 2021, just from a data protection, the storage, you know, the entire industry, where, where do you see like the effects of COVID-19? Where do you think that's going to lead um, the industry? The effects of COVID-19 in data protection industry, I don't think they're actually that major. If anything, it's slowing down the transformation within the enterprise. So it's giving the customers and vendors more time to adjust to the technology challenges. So instead of um, instead of um, any company rolling out new application, and new solutions, new hardware much faster, mm-hmm. uh, they are much more standing in a status quo phase, um, waiting it out a little bit more. Uh, so the backup vendors actually have a little bit more time to adjust to necessary changes. So it's actually making it a little bit easier for the data protection guys. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I guess it's making it a little bit easier from that perspective. I, I have had several conversations with backup administrators and storage administrators that are out of work right now as a as an event of some of the, the layoffs that happened as of COVID-19. So they are trying to figure out whether or not they want to continue within the industry, right, uh, with their current backup skills. And if they hadn't taken the opportunity to learn new things like, you know, AWS and Azure and GCP and some things about cloud, they're definitely going to be left behind. So what what, what can you talk about around cloud? And I guess there's a lot of misconceptions out there. What, what are you saying? Okay, first first of all, I fully, fully agree with what you said about uh, the backup admins need to ramp up their skill sets because I think the old days of uh, backup admin as a role has pretty much gone. Mm. It's uh, much more about IT generalists nowadays, um, IT person that actually does uh, far more different things within any organization than being highly specialized just for the on-premise backup within a single application. Uh, single application administrators are thing of the past. This is not just the thing. This is not just the case of the backup admin. But any single application administrator is a thing of a past. Mm-hmm. So any backup admin, any backup admin really needs to expand their uh, skill set, widen it up a little bit, uh, and that includes the cloud as well. Absolutely. I remember when private cloud, uh, public cloud, sorry, started uh, to be a big thing uh, a few years back. It's actually not that far back. And uh, having a lot of conversations with uh, enterprise and corporate IT guys, and everybody was saying. Uh, we don't do public cloud yet. We don't do public cloud. We don't care about public cloud. We are we are all on premise and all those things. Mm-hmm. And then I asked them, so what are what are your sales guys using? Mm-hmm. Salesforce. Where is it hosted? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. So basically, the public cloud brought on this behind the scene transformation when a lot of applications started moving out of the corporate IT world into uh, specialized groups that basically just use whatever application suited them the best. Um, so when anybody talks about, I have, we need to switch from a private to a public cloud, I always look at it from, a, try to look at it from an organic perspective. 
why are you switching your infrastructure? Point, uh, public cloud is not going to get you lower cost as that much. It's not going to get you uh, higher performance or performance or anything like that. Everything you can do on that side with the, with the public cloud, you can do with the private cloud as well. Mm-hmm. So it's really the question, what applications do you want to run? Is that application designed to be run in the public cloud? Is designed to be run in a private cloud? Make a choice about the application first, and your infrastructure should follow the application. Mm-hmm. Why, for, why force the change from the infrastructure point of view? That's really... The infrastructure used to dictate the applications that can run on it. Because the infrastructure was the, be, the was by far the biggest expenditure, if you look at like in the year 2000. Mm-hmm. You were making a huge investment in the infrastructure and then choosing the applications that can run the most optimized in that infrastructure. Okay. Nowadays, you should really choose the application and your infrastructure should follow the application. And naturally, some applications may be cloud-based, uh, software as a service. Uh, you're not even running it. You're just renting a seat per user. Some applications may actually be of your own applications running in the cloud infrastructure as a service. You may be developing new applications with the platform as a service uh, solutions native in the cloud. You may do that in a private cloud. You may mix and match. It's really follow the application mo- model that should be in uh, people's minds first. So, so how exactly do they do that though? Because so you're saying that an, an application team should maybe they go to the architecture team and say, hey, you know, we have a new application and we need to make sure that this application is optimized, that it's running effectively, that it doesn't go down and we lose money, et cetera, right? Because those are the things that they care about. They don't care about the technology that's behind it. They care about the availability of that application. So how how does, let's say, someone like an application team, how do they go about doing that? Are there any any steps or best practices or anything that, that you can recommend for them to do? If anything, I would uh, I would uh, first put a spotlight on the corporate IT departments uh, because they are frequently left out of those conversations uh, and quite often because of their own because of the, how they behave. Basically, uh, the conversation between application owner and the corporate IT departments are really not happening. Not happening. Not nearly enough. Mm-hmm. So, in reality. Uh, what should be happening is that the uh, the application owner okay. works together with the corporate IT to find the best solution for that application. Mm-hmm. In reality, what's happening instead of that is that corporate IT is basically saying, hey, if you're not running on our infrastructure, we don't care. It's not our problem. And the application owner uh, rolls out an application without even knowing the technology challenges behind it or what other problems may cause down the line. Like I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example of a transformation that's been happening that's almost done by now, and the problem is and the problem is still not solved. Microsoft uh, several years ago started pushing very aggressively mm-hmm. for, uh, to switch the, its corporate customers from uh, on-premise exchange mail servers to Office 365 hosted exchange servers. And uh, while the exchange was hosted in the corporate IT, corporate IT was responsible for protection. Okay. So you had backup solutions for Microsoft Exchange. 
some better, some worse, but the corporate IT knew what the requirements were, and they were basically working together with the application owner to create a solution for that application. But once when uh, renewal, uh, renewal came from the Microsoft, and Microsoft switched the application owner from mm-hmm. hosted uh, on-premise exchange to hosted Office 365, suddenly the corporate IT is out of the loop. The, the no longer exchange is no longer running in the on-premise environment. Mm-hmm. So they're basically saying it's no longer our problem. So who is responsible for protection? Who is responsible for backup? Application owner doesn't even know what the requirements are. And the IT guys say it's not our problem because you're not running on our infrastructure. So the, basically this communication within, the, within enterprises started breaking down significantly. Mm. And that really needs to be fixed. That's, that's seriously one of my biggest pet peeves uh, at the moment in almost every corporation I've seen lately. Okay, so so it's not just the larger behemoth, you know, ten thousand plus employee type companies. It's it's all of them, like even the smaller companies. Even the smaller companies, because smaller companies, I mean, in smaller companies, it's much it is much more agile. Because in a smaller company, uh, the corporate IT is not behaving as a corporate IT yet. They are there in their original purpose, which is basically to enable the business. Mm-hmm. So corporate IT is not a bottleneck. As you start growing, when the corporate IT department grows, it basically becomes a department of its own, disassociated from the business needs of the company. And that's when the lines of the communication break down. So yes, in a lot of startups, in a lot of uh, new companies, you don't have that problem. Yes, the, I was wrong when I said that every customer, I said every established corporate customer has the problem. Uh, new companies, uh, startups, smaller companies, they don't have that problem yet. Absolutely. So we talked a little bit about some of the some of the cloud misconceptions and um, how the application teams should actually not worry too much about the infrastructure, but allow the application to dictate what that infrastructure will be so it can run, you know, effectively and efficiently on that uh, particular infrastructure, right? Once again, I'm going to refer to what's happening right now, which is COVID-19. This is something that everyone is experiencing. And so it has definitely changed and kind of shifted, you know, our conversations and shifted the way we all live right now. So uh, are you running into any cases that you have been involved in any ransomware? I have. And in most of the cases, it always comes down to the same problem, how you architect your security solutions. So basically, you have this uh, false notion of security when you put the big gate in uh, front of your company. Mm, okay. You're going to put a firewall, or you're going to put um, strong passwords, uh, enforce 20-digit uh, pins, which do nothing, basically, to protect you more than four-digit pins. Uh, so doing silly rules at the front gate and basically put a big iron gate in front and thinking that's a solution for security. When anybody who gets behind the front gate is basically has a wide open access to the corporate network. So there is really not enough, uh, there is really not enough focus on um, authentication, authorization levels within any corporation. Most, a lot of them are focusing on this front gate principle, which is 
a broken principle. It never worked. It's just it's the easiest to implement and it's the easiest to monitor. So you're saying that's, that, that's kind of an old way to think about it, is, is what you're saying? It's an old way to think about it, and uh, the problem is not new. Ransomware just brought, it, uh, brought a spotlight onto it. So the problem is not new. The, the problem is not new. The solution is not new. It's just everybody thinks it's too hard to do application uh, to do the, to do the service level security versus network level security. Mm, okay. So if it's if it's too hard, and again it goes back to does the corporate IT even talk to the application owner? So how can we actually protect? each individual application versus how do we protect our data center. You have this lack of communication between applications, between application owners. Uh, so the corporate IT just puts a big gate in front of the data center. Mm-hmm. And the same thing is happening in the cloud. The cloud is uh, allowing you a very granular role-based access and very few companies are using it. Everybody is uh, basically putting, okay, you're either admin or either user. And you have full privileges or no privileges. Um, very, very rarely I actually see security level implemented, mm-hmm. security model implemented correctly with uh, role-based access and separate services. It's regardless if they're running on-premise or in the cloud. It should be the same principle. Right. The cloud brings the new tool set to the game. Uh, you, the Amazon, the Azure, the Google, they give you the tool set out of the box. It's up to the user to use it. But you can roll out a similar tool set in your uh, on-premise data centers. It's really not that different. It's really just because it's because a new tool set is visible, now everybody knows about it, they're still not using it. But the problem is not new. The solution is not new. Okay, so what, what advice would you give to, like, someone that's responsible for security right now? Let's go to the top of the food chain, the CISO. Isolate your services. That's really the biggest thing. Isolate your services. Uh, some vendors are talking about, okay, physically unplugging the, some storage from the network, uh, creating an air gap kind of solution. I mean, the, really, I don't want to be rude, but that sounds like a joke. Mm-hmm. Isolate your securities with a proper role-based access. There should be no single account. There is no super user. There is no such thing anymore. Mm-hmm. Isolate your services and create role-based access for each service. Don't don't run away from it because it's too hard, because I don't even know who the service owners are. Mm-hmm. Make sure that if you if you are a CIO, make sure that that, that uh that you have the inventory of all the services, that you know who is the owner of each individual service, and make sure they actually talk to the IT and implement the same requirements across the board. Many companies don't even know which services exist, so you end up with unintended backdoors, basically. So do, do you have any, any stories that are maybe interesting that, that you participated in, like helping someone recover? Recovery is uh, always a knee-jerk reaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so because if you have been compromised, you basically don't know even how much you've been compromised. That's the biggest problem. If you want to analyze what's been compromised, what's not, that's post-mortem. While you're in, while you're in DEFCON mode, right. Your biggest biggest goal is to get back to production, not to analyze. I have seen some customers actually try to analyze before they go back to production, and that basically just adds to delays. But that is a cultural thing. You actually see how I would say customers from different countries and different continents actually behave very differently. Most of them 
would basically just do a full rollback. Mm-hmm. The question is, how do you do that if you have so many different backup solutions within your uh, within your corporation? If you could do a quick rollback of all your services, that rollback would not be painful. So having a good plan ahead of time, disaster recovery plan, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. if you have a good plan, you've been compromised and you roll back a couple of hours, you haven't lost much. If it takes you a day or two to come up with a plan how to roll back, then you're day or two behind with your production and then roll back itself becomes far, far, far more painful. Right. So how, fa- how fast can you react and how, how fast can you execute a predefined plan is the key, which means having a predefined plan is the key to start with. And a lot of companies don't have a predefined, a predefined plan. Compliance and, and regulations, it's, it's also something that it's kind of a threaded conversation from a security perspective as well, as far as where individuals' data is stored and that you know data is stored all over the place, right? Sometimes companies, they don't have a good idea of you know where all of their data is stored and implementing the proper uh, protocols and rules and regulations around those things. I, I think companies are still struggling with those things. So do you have any any advice around compliance and regulation and storing data from that perspective and just any anything that, that you think the, the listeners would actually uh, truly appreciate from a best practices perspective? This is sub- a subjective point of view. Um, okay. Going back to the fact I'm a techie. Uh, techie first and uh, being a corporate guy second. In most of the cases, when I see a company having somebody do a compliance check, somebody do, uh, most companies do that ad hoc. Somebody, some companies have a extra dedicated compliance office. Uh, the compliance office is li- linked to legal and it's linked to paperwork. It's linked to processes, documented processes. It's very disconnected to the actual technology. So when I see companies uh, adhering to compliance regulations, uh, requirements, things like that, it almost always comes down to do we have paperwork documented versus do we have a technical solution Mm -hmm. in place? Because the compliance officer basically almost never actually checks the technology stand behind the technical solutions. It's always technical guys have to provide a silly piece of paper that the compliance officer is going to put a stamp on. So in most of the cases I've seen, you can pass compliance checks, you can fail compliance checks, and they rarely actually mean much when it comes to the actual data safety and how how well compliant are you? What are some of the challenges that you've seen, if you've seen any, uh, I guess, from that perspective around compliance and regulations and uh, just from, from the entire IT uh, department perspective? Yeah, unfortunately, the same problem uh, extends to the auditors as well. Auditors are linked to the legal departments and they're asking for paperwork. They rarely actually look at the systems themselves. So if we really, if we are really, I would say, serious about compliance regulations, data privacy, all those things, it has to start from a technology stack. It has to start on the application level, because right now it's completely upside down where both auditors and the guys providing them the logs are basically just shuffling papers and uh, the guys who designed the application are out of the loop. They're not even uh, invited to the conversation. 
they don't even know what the requirements are. The, the compliance checks happen after the fact. The compliance check happen on a scheduled intervals. Is it right. yearly or whatever? It has nothing to do with the application design. Uh, compliance check should be an actual review process during the application development, where you actually have the actual compliance requirements about data privacy, data safety, all those things provided provided to the engineers, to the architects. It should be part of the application design process. It shouldn't be something five years down the road. Oh, we have a compliance audit happening. Let's give them uh, let's give them pile of papers. That's it. I agree. I agree. So, so you're saying that once again, and it, it seems like like the entire episode, we, I'm going to layer this around architecture. So that's that one thing that I keep hearing you say is that it should be architected that way from the beginning. Companies should be proactive and planning up front and knowing exactly, you know, what the infrastructure is going to be based upon that application. So that's, that's kind of what I'm hearing now, Vlad. You put very clearly uh, what I said in the five minute ramble. So I thank you for that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> not, not a problem at all. So I, I really, I, I love your opinion and um, you, you don't have a problem, you know, saying exactly what you feel. And uh, that, that's why I had you on the show. So let's roll into the, the closing gumbo question. And, and this is a, an entirely new question. I, I had a, an older one that I was asking uh, guests before today. So here goes. The question is, what makes you frustrated, Vlad, or angry enough that you would consider standing in front of a data center and protesting about it until there's change? Um, I don't want to repeat myself, but uh, basically everything I've been saying for the past 20 minutes is the lack of communication between the application owners and the corporate IT. The corporate mm-hmm. IT is sitting in their isolated environment and basically saying we are, we are responsible for the infrastructure and if you're not running in our infrastructure, it's not our problem. So, so you, you're going to grab the CIO and, 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 and say, hey, look, you need to pay attention to the um, the IT administrators and the people down below because they have valid concerns and they are trying to communicate to you, but you're not listening. That's exactly that's exactly it. Basically, the IT department needs to be restructured around data ownership. Mm-hmm. Stop following the infrastructure. Focus on applications. All right. So that there you have it, Gumbo listeners. I uh, truly appreciate having you on the show, Vlad, and uh, I'll definitely have to to bring you back in in the future. I think it was a great conversation. So thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Demetrius. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast. Also, sign up for our newsletter that we'll be debuting in a few weeks and join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. Just search Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.